Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Welcome to a snowy morning at Schloss Goebbels. This is Father Nathan Goebel. Down in the dungeon, the bowels of Schloss Goebel, for another episode of Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Welcome. Audience of one. Father Daniel, I'll let you pronounce his name correctly. Oh, yeah. Father Daniel Chuchi is with us, longtime friend, early listener, and uh, he's the parochial vicar at St. John the Baptist in Longmont, Colorado. He has asked not to be on the podcast, um, so he's just merely um, auditing this course. We've duct taped his mouth shut, so he can't say anything. Agreed. All right. So it's a uh, snowy morning. We we are having a uh, white New Year, white Christmas even. It's still Christmas. True, yeah. still Christmas Day. The octave is still ongoing, um, but um, yeah, Christmas Day was a little. It was nice. I mean, it was nice. It was nice weather. I mean, everybody could travel well, at least yeah. in Colorado. But it wasn't like anything too, you know, memorable. I love John's last comment on our Instagram slash Facebook slash Twitter post with the three of us just wishing everybody a Merry Christmas. Is la- we just we're just all talking, saying whatever we wanted to at the moment, and Father John decided to say we need snow in Colorado. That's like right when the post ended. I was like, that is so true because we were out there in our swimming trunks in December. <laughs> we were? No, we weren't. Oh, I wish I wish we had been just for your star suit, but true. But yeah, we're uh, we're recording our final episode before Seek Conference. Yes, and uh, as many of you saw on our Instagram account, Facebook account, and. Um, Twitter account, as well as smoke signals, that um, <laughs> the uh, the mullet has gotten an upgrade, got a software update, and uh, we now have Kentucky rumble strips uh, along the sides, so otherwise known as racing stripes. So shout out to Callie Spa. Uh, she is uh, my hairstylist, one of my parishioners, and uh, myself and her husband Luke were the final two haircuts that she gave before she went to, she starts her new job. In the Highlands, so shout out to Heather's Salon in um, Arvada, Colorado, and that was it. Is her last name really Spa? Spa. S-P-A? S-P-A-W. Oh, okay. They're in Hawaii right now. Okay. Because somebody who does, like, stuff that... Do you do haircuts at spas? I don't know. I don't know how spas work. I'm oh, sure yeah, good spas. point. Do they do haircuts at spas? I don't know. I, for some reason, thought just women went there all day and did things like messed with hair and... Rumpf. Hallelujah. Et cetera. So, I don't know. Yeah, um, I I have to summon a lot of a lot of my uh, testosterone in order to walk into that place. You got the wrong hair for summoning testosterone. Exactly. Yeah. So um, so some of you saw the glamour shots that were done by J.C. Penney. Shout out to Michael in Westminster on 88th, um, and uh, he um, he did not know what he was getting into that day, but um, uh, they will slowly be released. There is not a mullet calendar coming out. I know that some of you have requested it. That would be awesome. Um, So, uh, but uh, we will be seeing a lot of you in person uh, at Seek Conference in a little less than four days. Yeah. That's crazy. This will come out, well, if we put it out this week, it'll come out the day that we arrive. The day we arrive. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So this goes out. So the word will soon be made flesh in your presence. So... We're excited. I'm realizing from the response on social media that we should have made more than 50 t-shirts. I know. That's Wait, we only made 50? We only made 50 of the sequins, yes. Oh, wow. They're going to go like hotcakes. I know. So we are still, um, we're still figuring out how we're going to give those out. So um, we wish we could give you a heads up on uh, what you need to do. But um, People... show, show some school spirit and definitely show up. I mean, if you don't show up, you're not getting jack. <laughs> I, did share the, I did share the image. From from the t-shirts on the Seek app. You did? Yeah. Man. Okay. Well, that's actually... Get, get people excited. I didn't share it on social media. You have to go to the Seek app to see it. That was actually really smart. Yeah. But well thank played. You. Thank you. Um, do we have a, a locale for the place where we're going to imbibe? No, I don't even know what night. We're doing, set, Friday night? We're trying to do a... We got to do a Friday night because okay. uh, Saturday night is the like big night yeah. with confessions and everything else. So I, I called the Yard House, which is a block and a half from the convention center, and the guy just said it's going to be packed anyway. 
But the way he put it, it depends on how much you love each other. If we're going to have 100 people show up, it's going to be really, really tight in the bar. Mm-hmm. If we want to do meet and greet there, the other th- option is like one of the hotels. Anyway, we're doing business live right now, but yeah, that's fine. We'll, we're we'll, we'll, we'll figure out. We'll put on social media like if yeah. we're going to meet and be drinking. Somewhere. Yeah, but uh, we can just tell them check our Instagram, yeah, Facebook, exactly. Twitter, Smoke Signals page, and then you can you know know exactly how we're going to. Someone's going to think that Smoke Signals is really a social media, which those started which man, be a great name for a social media platform. <laughs> it's probably already for like weed or something. Yeah, that's true. So, anyways, but uh, yeah, we were hoping to meet a lot of you. Uh, lanky guys, we're hoping that the lanky guys podcast will also join us. I think uh, something Father beautiful Peter's for coming. God. Oh yeah, yeah but do, he's do something beautiful is Leah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so she, is she going to come out with us? I don't know. Pints of the Aquinas. Matt might oh, come yeah. out with us. Uh-huh. And Trevor Williams, pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates, he's coming. Yes. And he's going to give a talk at the uh, Trevor. Can I have thing? some Pirates gear, please? I know this is shameless. I'm going to text him. I'm going to text him <laughs> right now and be like, dude, can I get a Pirates hat? Well, don't he, I don't think he's going to hear this before. Season, oh, I'm but, just going to text him. But but I I actually asked for a pirate jersey for Christmas and got it. So I have what? a pirate jersey. Oh yeah, I'm bringing it. I, I guess I guess MLB doesn't do. They don't put the names and the numbers on the back as as easily as the as football does. You like you have to have that specially made. Right. So my parents got me one. I didn't give them enough time to do it, but they got me a pirate jersey for Christmas. But I just need to put now the Trevor Williams, the Williams on the back. Yeah. All right, Trevor. Um, what? I thought you muted I, that. I did. Cato Daniel Tucci taught me how to do it. Do, do not disturb is on. Sorry, you guys probably can't hear this, but I'm getting I think they can. I don't think they can. It came in over the microphone. I think in the past we've seen that it doesn't. Whatever, man. This is the worst kind He's of He's getting his updates. Right now. 20% off at Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> uh, don't wait. No, I actually, I actually asked all the companions to pray for my grandmother. My grandmother's in her last days, so I, I sent a... I, I Make me a, feel horrible. Thank you. Yes, pray for his grandmother. <laughs> so I'm getting notifications from my brother priest saying, "Yes, I'm praying for your grandmother." So when you get, if when you hear this, please pray for Grammy O'Loughlin, Jean O'Loughlin, um, my last living grandmother, my dad's mother. She's at Little Sisters of the Poor. I know I've talked about it before. They love her so much, and she loves them so much. Support Little Sisters of the Poor. Send your daughters to become nuns with Little Sisters of the Poor. Pray for Little Sisters of the Poor. Volunteer at Little Sisters of the Poor. They're amazing. But my grandmother is uh, there, and she hasn't been out of bed in two days. Mm. She's when they, they try to force her to, to eat out of a straw, and she's just refusing most of the time. So, anyway. They have a, they do like a private vow, right? Where they will accompany any person who is dying, like, and do round the clock vigils oh, so they sure won't they die do. alone. That's what they, yeah, yeah that's exactly it's incredible. They are. Yeah, they are incredible. So, my grandmother loves them so much. I might have shared this before, but my grandmother, my grandmother had a dream. And in the dream, they, my, she, my aunt was living with her. Like my grandmother's biggest dream is for my Aunt Diane, who she lived with until she went to the home to live with her at Little Sisters of the Poor. My aunt's not old enough but, but to get in there. But she said, she, in the dream, she called my aunt and said, they built a whole other building. There's plenty of space. And in that building, you're going to be living with my parents, like my husband, like, and all these people that are, that are long past. Hmm. And so, so literally, my, my, my dad, when my grandmother told her this, my, da- my grandmother said it like it wasn't a dream. Sure, her dimension was getting pretty bad. And when my dad said, I think in her mind, whether it was dreaming or not, heaven is the little sisters of the poor. Yeah. Like, that's what heaven is, is, is being living Ill. there with all of her friends and family and right. being taken care of by these beautiful nuns. Yeah. I was like, that, that is an incredible insight into the way my grandmother views that place. So, yeah, yeah shout out to them. They're amazing women who do amazing things and the volunteers that a lot, lots of volunteers go there too and, um, and, uh, help out. So God bless y'all. And please, again, pray for a, a, a holy, holy death for Gina Lachlan. And, and then we'll ask her for intercession once she goes. Right. Yeah. All right. No more comments about the, <laughs> the, the notifications. notifications. I'm praying for you. Yes. All right. So, um, yeah, Trevor Williams, he'll be there. He's a pitcher for the pirates. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Donnie Jones, Mm-hmm. I said mass for the L.A. Chargers on Saturday, um, and uh, I didn't know who was going to come. I mean, I was just asked, you know, to to say mass. I'm by was asked. I pretty much called and <laughs> said I would like to say mass for you, and they had absolutely no idea who I was. And and I showed up with this sick mullet, and we had a blast. Um, they gave but, you uh, swag tickets. They gave us swag, right? I, I rocked that Chargers hat. Yeah. And I mean, I know that some of the people, you know, know that I live in Colorado and I do listen to Broncos radio and follow the Broncos, but I am Bears through and through. Mm. Drinking out of a Bears mug right now. Nice. And I'm Phyllis Sorrentino got me this. Colorado mug right now. But the, uh, but the players yeah, and coaches who showed up, 
I saw this guy, and after mass, I said, so um, are you one of the coaches? He goes, I'm a player. And I was like, ooh. Because he <laughs> looked old. He looked a little older, you know? He had, like, this grizzled beard, and uh, he's like, I'm the punter. I was like, okay, yeah, you can be a little bit older. Yeah. You know, I was like, coffin kicks. Nice job. And this guy won a Super Bowl. I didn't even know. He was on the oh, Eagles last year. Nice. And uh, he, he uh, punts for the L.A. Chargers, and uh, his name's Donnie Jones. He's from... Uh, New Orleans or from Louisiana. What are coffin kicks? Coffin kick is when you when you punt it inside the five yard line, I believe. Oh, okay. um, and uh, the Bears used to have this punter Brad Maynard, who uh, who used to do that all the time. It was like his specialty. So they kick instead of going for the touchdown. In other words, no, 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 no. When they punt, instead of allowing the receiver to catch the ball, you angle it either away from them so it goes oh, towards the sideline, yeah. or you kick it just inside I the see. five yard line so it bounces and then as if it would land the side of a coffin that's exactly. about five yards. Well, like I mean, you've pretty much killed them, like because they're I see because they're like, like they're right against the line. Sorry. Exactly. Show my ignorance here. But anyway, okay. Donnie. I said, I, he didn't listen to the podcast. I wasn't that big of a deal. But um, uh, he, he was super cool. And, and uh, Did you tell him, we, like, we love Philip Rivers more than we love you, but can you please, no, he can came you to please mass. tell him to, Look, to listen to the podcast? Philip Rivers, mad shout out to that guy. Yes. I wanted to meet you. We tried. Andrea is a big fan. She's got your jersey. Um, we... Um, uh, we were hoping that we'd be able to meet you at mass, but um, Philip Rivers goes the morning of the game. He walks from his hotel to Holy Ghost, which is like two blocks away, and then he um, uh, goes to mass at nice. Holy Ghost. I probably shouldn't say that because people are going to look for him. So if you see him, leave him alone or tell him that Father Nathan Goble says what's up. We have very normal, non-crazy listeners to this podcast, so I wouldn't worry. Right, about he goes. He goes to like the the noon mass. <laughs> Anyways, um, the um, uh, so he didn't come, but you know he had a good excuse. But uh, Gus Bradley, who's the defensive coordinator, nice, and then the linebackers coach, whose name escapes me, and I don't really want to look it up online, uh, but he was there. And then John Hinnick, who's the uh, director of operations, director of logistics, excuse me, for the Chargers, he's the one who invited us. So nice. So yeah, they're not going to see conference, but that was my weekend this past weekend. Yeah. And then we went to the Chargers game. I was decked out in one Chargers hat right. that was given to me, and I acted like I was the biggest Charger fan ever. And I got so many boos at this uh, Broncos game. Olo came and sat with Andy us. He loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Oh, Andrea, who's always critical of our lack of social media expertise, took enough pictures of us at that game that hopefully they'll come out on social media soon. Oh my gosh! Like whenever the Chargers would score, I would sing the electric slide, <laughs> and I don't know if that's a tradition for the Chargers, <laughs> but like, now. but like, I think it's pretty pretty embarrassing when you score on the other team and you got to hear the electric slide. <laughs> so, anyways, but seat conference is coming up. There's going to be some great people. We'll let you know on. On the Friday that we're going to go out, probably Friday, um, uh, that we'll go out for a drink, and and, uh, hopefully people can join us that are of age. Keep an eye on social media. Agreed. All right, so to the topic. All right. Okay, so um, today or yesterday was the Feast of the Holy Family for us. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have... Do you guys have a feast of the Holy Family? Well, we have the Sunday after Christmas is David, Joseph, and James. So they're kind of his family. But it doesn't include Mary because she got to run on the 26th. David the David, King? Jo- J- David, King David, Joseph, his, the foster father, and James, and James the brother. The brother. Quote, the bro- brother. We call him James the brother of God, which I think is an amazing name title right joseph joseph the betrothed mm-hmm. david the prophet and king and right. james the brother of god yeah so we celebrate the feast of the holy family jesus mary and joseph on uh the first sunday after uh christmas um and uh one of the prayers that uh that we pray in the opening prayer is that that we may emulate the virtues of family life and so uh what i want to talk about today is just what are the what are some of the virtues of family life and the way in which we can look at it is there's really four areas, uh, there, there's four major areas of our priestly common life that I think can speak into, uh, into marriage and family life, or even single life, because I think that these are applicable to, to anyone, even if you're not living with somebody else. You, if you're not living with somebody else, 
you know, whether a roommate or, you know, whoever, um, uh, you still need community and you still need to find these kind of four markers. So this is from our rule of the Companions of Christ. We have these uh, four areas. It says this, uh, paragraph 13 of our rule. Since the earliest days of the church, the priestly common life has been built upon common prayer, common study, common meals, and common recreation. The companion commits to this fourfold structure to stabilize his life and cultivate vulnerability, mutual help, and friendship. So we're just going to look at these four areas, prayer, study, meals, and recreation. Beautiful. So first, common prayer. Uh, Our rule says this. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. Common prayer filled with the Holy Spirit nourishes and strengthens the common life. Uh, In the recitation of the divine office, which the companion always prefers in common, they give voice to the bride of Christ in the silent adoration of the Lamb who was slain. They participate in the worship of the heavenly Jerusalem, where there was, quote, silence for about a half an hour. Um, so we have, we have in our life moments of prayer in which we pray either silently or vocally together, um, but we need to create these structures in which we come together to share in the communion that happens around mm-hmm. the altar and uh, kind of the, the companions singing the praises of the bridegroom. So um, for us, this is easy. We have a chapel in our rectory. Uh, it's very, very easy for us to find the opportunity to be able to come together in prayer. But for families, like this can be a little more difficult, a little more challenging, and sometimes a little more intimidating. So the, the main way in which they do this is, one, they go to Mass together. They go to liturgy together. Families uh, who make that part of their weekly life are making a, a pilgrimage to the house of God. And sometimes it's done in joy, sometimes it's done in sorrow, sometimes it's done like with, you know, not, not everybody's on the same page, we're all frustrated, but we're all going to make this act of worship together. Um, and then you have other times in which either uh, the family gathers around the table to pray before the meals, or maybe they say like a common prayer, but there's not really common prayer delineated for family life. So did you have any common prayers that you guys prayed together in the O'Laughlin house? Um, I think my mom invented it, uh, but we definitely had what my parents just called quiet time in the evenings. Hmm. And it was, it, it involved, I mean, it had the rituals of lighting candles. Uh, if we were Roman Catholic at the time, if we were Byzantine, we probably would have lived in a sense as well. Uh, we have, uh, we had food. So that's when we ate dessert was during this whole quiet time huh. structure. And it was always very quiet. That's what we called it. I mean, it's it very kind of childlike to call it that, but we'd settle down, light candles, um, then usually have an icon or a reading from the Bible. And then we would, uh, my mom would literally just say, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And she'd say, dear God. And we'd all say, dear God. And then we would just go around and, and have our intentions hmm. um, for the day, for the, for the prayer, whatever it was. And then we did, you know, our Father, Hail Mary, Glory Be, uh, St. Michael Prayer, a couple of the, just the family prayers that we'd do. And then we'd uh, finish up. And we, we'd usually eat... I think we'd eat after. So we'd begin with prayer. Dessert was laid out. My mom was an amazing baker, is an amazing baker. And then uh, hmm. and then we'd just eat after that, and then we'd go to bed. Wow. Most families would say it's weird to have dessert right before bed, but we did it every night. And you guys are all uh, We're thin. okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was not my experience. Um, did you do that every night? Oh, yeah. There, I mean, there were some nights where we'd come like, late from a party, and then we'd lay down, and my mom would say... We'd literally lay down in bed, and she'd come kneel next to our bed. We're already in bed, and she'd say, we're going to yeah. pray one our Father, Hail Mary. Sure. We'd do it that way. And we, I mean, we did that. We did that up until a certain age. Um, but then at some point, you stop praying together as a family. Like, you stop um, just having those experiences um, where you kind of have to be trained in prayer. And I think it's helpful to create moments as a family where you are coming together to do something yeah. that is religious. Yeah. And everybody's going to groan and moan. And this happens even in, in rectory life or whatever. Guys are like, hey, have you prayed evening prayer yet? It's yeah. like, I'm like right in the middle of a show or I'm listening to music yeah. and you know, kind of doing something. Like, I'm not really thinking about that. It's easier for me to just say, oh, I'll pray it later. I'll do it on my own. Right. But when you have that time together, like it really does foster... Uh, the the life of community. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I posited to my parish is, you know, like 
creating a, a family devotion, kind of like that, but I was saying, like, just trying things out. Like, if you've never prayed the litany of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, just saying on Fridays, on Fridays, we're going to, as a family, pray this. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe on Thursday, because, like, you know, people are going to be out and about, like, on Fridays, but Thursday, everybody's in. And just creating these moments where it's like, we know there's a stability to our life where we're going to come together for these, for yeah. these moments. And then the other one was, you should take a pa- family pilgrimage. So, like, for us, we have uh, Cabrini Shrine, or, like, you know, maybe in your local area, you have a- another holy place, like, that, that people can go to. Mm-hmm. Um, in Cincinnati, there's this uh, adoration chapel called Our Lady of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's a beautiful um, opportunity to just say, as a family, we're going to make this action where we're going to go together somewhere to intentionally pray together. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be all day. You can finish with a banana split. Like, it doesn't have to be all sadness. Like, but I love what your mom did, which is we're going to pray and then we're going to eat. Yeah. Like, we're actually going to have that sweetness. Yeah, it was the um, kind of, we looked forward to that. You know, that when I first became a companion, I had not read a book in probably three years. And, it, and when I became a companion, it was like, I, I need to do this. I need to add this. And so I realized I was not going to do it unless I incorporated it with something else I liked. Mm-hmm. That's when I started going to Jelly. It's like, I'm going to go to Jelly. I'm going to eat breakfast there, like, which I like doing. I like getting out to eat. Yeah. And then while I'm sitting there, I'm going to read for 45 minutes. And it, it totally changed my life. I, I love reading now. Well, that's the next one, actually, is common study. Um, do you have any other thoughts on prayer? I, 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 I honestly, I don't know how you parents do it. I don't with, with cell phones, with, with all of that. I, I have no idea how you could do what my parents did. You would need to take the cell phones away, put them in a box somewhere and then have grumpy kids that, that just want their phones back. Do it. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I agree. I agree. But it's like how parents are fighting a fight right now and trying to get orient kids. I mean, that's the brilliance of social media and the phones is is they have learned for a way to make youth dependent upon them. And if we could somehow, I mean, this is the, the eternal question, but somehow, you know, make the, the liturgical life and the daily life and things like that somewhat attractive in the context of that world is just, I don't know. But, but I mean, it's, yeah, parents force it. The Holy Spirit's at work. You, you got to drag your kids away from their phones. Yeah. You got to put up a time and just say, I don't care if you're grumpy the whole time, you know, we're, we're praying and then the Holy Spirit's going to work in that. Try to make it as attractive as possible with food or whatever. But, you know, I mean, some people try to use their phones, try to pray, use the phones for prayer, things like that. But it's like, that's just in my mind, I've never seen it done well. It just seems like yeah. you're trying too hard to incorporate that part of the life that should be jettisoned for the time it takes to engage with our Lord. I'm a big advocate right now, like, uh, at least on iPhones, they just came out with this new screen time, um, and you can shut your phone down at a certain time, and it's already happened where I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm going to go look this up, and then it's after 9.15, so I can't. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, what am I going to do with myself? And then you end up going to bed earlier, you find yourself open to other persons instead of just on your phone. Yeah. So That's a good idea. You put screen time or use an app or whatever. You can do family, family screen yeah. time. So they know like, Love it. okay, yeah, I, I have another 15 minutes to do whatever I need to do and then my phone's going to shut down. Right. And so why not gather with the family and you know have that stimulation engage that way because I'm not going to have it on my phone. Right. So. I mean, like you're, it's a crude image or whatever, but there was a time in my life not too long ago where I didn't like wiping after going to the bathroom, okay. you know, cause why not? You know, <laughs> like it was like two weeks ago. No, but like when you're a kid, like there are certain things that you think, you know what, this is a better way. And your parents right. have to show you, no, this actually isn't a better way. Right. And you need to be a grown up, and you need to like, you know, yeah. have a clean butt. My dad yeah. always says a clean butt is a happy butt. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, for kids, like they're going to fight you on these things yeah. and either they're driving the ship yeah. or right. you're going to, you're going right. to get shipwrecked. Exactly. Um, so, um, so anyways, I think it's good. The next one's common study. Um, desire, desiring deeper freedom in the truth, the companion brings his study into the common life so that with his brothers he may be transformed by the renewal of his mind. Together they study the charism, renew their desire for holiness, and contribute to the theological vision of the priesthood in our day. So, again, this is, this is ordered to our life, but then as a family, you've got to ask yourself, what are the projects as a family that we want to take on? Mm-hmm. Kids are in school. That's fine. Like, how can they bring their study 
into the the common sphere so that we can collaborate together instead of it just being your project like parents actually know what their their kids are doing um but then also like not just school schools like all encompassing but there are other things to learn other than just what the school is teaching you about and i mean uh some of these shows on on tv like planet earth or you know things you know of more of a religious nature or whatever like you can watch formed series on the eucharist or whatever like we're not talking like hours upon hours of you know sunday school catechesis but a little bit right. you know like leaven raises the whole loaf a little bit of truth and beauty and goodness in whatever form the life of a saint a biography whatever like now all of a sudden you're you're, you're being informed by something different than what the world proposes. Yeah. And, you know, this is even hard. I mean, in all honesty, we, you know, we read From Brokenness to Community from, by Jean Vanier. We read it as a, as a companion community. Mm-hmm. It rocked my world. I, I went immediately, and this was your suggestion, Global. Yeah. Like, I went immediately and bought a bunch of copies to give to certain people. I bought one for a parish library. I bought one for a Christ of Bridegroom parish library. People I love, people that needed to hear it, I gave it to them. And then we gathered as companions, and some of the guys hadn't even read it. Yeah, And it was, I mean, I, I saw like Father Book got frustrated. He even sent an email like, guys, please read this book if you haven't yet. It's a really good book. But I thought, if we can't even get a bunch of priests to read a, you know, 25-page pamphlet-sized thing, how do families get, you know, th- their people together on board? But I think you're right. Just be commu- be creative about it. L- read Formed, watch a video, engage with the stuff your kids are already doing in school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I... I when, I when I was at TAC, I, I saw little ten-year-old girls. One little girl had Othello memorized at ten. Wow! And I just thought, and she loved it. She literally, came, she didn't know you know who I was. I was just serving at the table, and as soon as I was done serving, she came over and was like, "Can do you want to talk about Shakespeare?" And I was like, "All right, <laughs> little one. Like you know, probably know more than I do. You're a TAC kid, you know." And she goes out there, and we just sat on the brow of this hill. Like right outside, you know, wherever he was eating, and she just started, you know, reciting Othello. Yeah, and I thought, how do you get your children to be this engaged with something that yeah. is so beautiful? We did it. We did it at uh, at seminary where we would gather um, every night before um, we Christmas break or whatever. It was like for like a week straight, and we read um, a Christmas Carol mm. by Dickens, um, and I'd never heard it. Yeah, and I never heard the story, and I'd never experienced somebody reading out loud. Yeah, um, hmm. but it was it was amazing to see other guys' reaction, and everybody took a turn with the book and everything. And then the other one was uh, Carl Bunderson. Shout out to nice. the Bunderson family, uh, Carl and Sophia. They have uh, a rocking chair like near the kitchen, and one of them just reads to the other while they're working. Yep, I love that. Yeah. Or they do a crossword puzzle together. Yeah, and I'm like. Like these are beautiful moments in which we reinforce that it's not about it's not about me yeah. and my interests. Um, I'm trying to think the other the other option that I suggested for for people is if they don't want to study, okay, then study the world around you and actually perform some act of service together. Mm-hmm. And the the thought that came to mind was there was a family near us um, who was uh, lower income and uh, just needed some help. And my mom came up with this idea to do Secret Santa. So what we would do is we would make a gift, uh, like either like food or some kind of craft or whatever else, and we would go to their house in the darkness. We would knock on their door, drop the gift, and then run across the street and lay in the ditch and watch them open it. Nice. And it was the funnest thing we did as kids. And um, that just really inspired me to be like, wow, could we, could we ever do anything like that? You know, little rack, random acts of, of kindness for other persons. So, yeah. Uh, two things, by the way, I love that. I got to commend Carl for that. He's one of my parishioners. Like, like the, that whole reading to each other is amazing. Um, so read things out loud. But I also thought there's, oh, I'm, I'm trying to write this down so I don't forget. Uh, first of all, like, you know how many kids love, they just want to be what their dad is. Like, or they're, you know, like I, whatever, dad, mom, whatever. I grew up with a, the dad who worked a consistent um, yeah. career. So, like, we all wanted to do what he did. We, we wanted to be a Marine because he was. We wanted to be an x ray tech because he was. And if, if a parent who's, who's working or is very, like, experienced in one way can use that to teach their kids. I mean, I'm even thinking, like, if, if, if somebody in the family knows mechanics, teacher could have to fix right. a car. Oh, if yeah. they know how to do plumbing, teacher could have to do plumbing, right. you know, build stuff. Because, like, kids engage with those things, and you don't need to. Yeah, like getting them in the habit of of learning and engaging with something that they don't know, like like just expanding their mind in that way. 
um, could be really good. The other thing I thought is, you know, parents, like the parents of children that are around them all the time, it could probably really is hard to get the parent to get the kid to disengage from their ritual, whatever their ritual is. Mm-hmm. But if you bring in somebody else, like grandma, grandpa, your parish priest, like if you're a priest listening to this, why not have, if you know, find the time, I know it's hard, I'm a parish priest too, but find the time to, to do something like that, to invite families in and say, phones off, phones out of the room, whatever it is, and, and we're going to do some sort of study or learning. And I think kids would roll their eyes less if it was grandma doing it or grandpa doing it or the parish priest, someone outside of the immediate family mm-hmm. so that they, they, they're kind of separated from that norm as well and brought into something that's a little bit different anyway. And so we're going to engage intellectually in, in a situation that's a little bit different. So in what, that's, that's, of course, kind of um, polar opposites. One way is engage with something that the parents know well. They can teach the kids and have them engaged that way. And secondarily, bring them outside of the bubble of the home to be engaged in a, in a completely different way. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Even even fellow parishioners that you're just like, wow, yeah. this guy really knows woodworking and I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Could we just watch this guy yep. for a while and just, just learn? One of my parishioners said that with the parish she used to go to, a Melkite parish back east, um, they would have... The, like there would be people like giving a commentary on the divine liturgy to children. So like you're holding a one-year-old in your arms and explaining to them what's going on. Here's what this procession is. Here's what this is. And, and, and like maybe 10 times during the divine liturgy, make them engage with it. So they can have their kind of wandering time, but then the, about 10 times you stop them and say, okay, this is what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. And, and the person who does that is the godparents. Huh. So godparents have a very specific role. They're the ones that keep the kids attentive during the liturgy. It's not the parents, it's the godparents. I love that. And these are these are not just things to do at mass, but also like in the home to find ways to mm-hmm. incorporate that in the home. The other thing right. is, I know we're talking about parents with children and a lot of people don't have children or they're not married, but common study and common, I mean, everything that we're talking about in common can be done in friends, in collaboration with your neighbors or fellow parishioners or whatever. Like it's actually about forming these things on your own instead of going to the priest and saying, you need to do this. It's like, just yeah. begin, yeah. begin doing it. And then it, it usually has synergy enough that people, people will latch onto it. Right. So then the next one's common meals, uh, uh, strengthened by the goodness of earthly fellowship and food. His humanity is renewed. The conversation at table is to be rich masculine and gracious, seasoned with the salt of levity, knowing that some have thereby entertained angels. A companion household is to be distinguished by hospitality. Um, so uh, common meals, like for us, I mean, that I actually credit that to one of the main reasons why our family was so strong back in the day was we had an expectation that you will be home for dinner. Mm-hmm. So you, we ate dinner at whatever time mom had it ready. Um, so sometimes it was like eight o'clock because, you know, people had activities or whatever. Dad was getting home late, but we were informed and not through text. Like we were, had to check in with our, as I said, parole officer at mass. Um, and, uh, you, in order to get permission to leave, you had to ask, like you had to ask your parent, like, I'm going to miss dinner. Um, and sometimes I would miss dinner just to go to somebody else's house because they did something cool like watch Wheel of Fortune while they ate. Right. But then if you do that a number of times, it's just like, this is kind of empty. Yeah. Like, I'm, I don't actually know you. And, I mean, this isn't just a dig at the modern culture or whatever, but I think we are losing the ability to communicate with each other. Yeah. We, we can't read social cues, and we don't know how to ask questions, not just about things that are interesting to us, but also interesting to other people. And uh, so training children in the art of conversation is really important. And parents uh, educate their children, not just by asking them about their life, but also asking one another about their, their life. And the kids listen they learn to kind of see, oh, this is what an adult conversation looks like. Um, And they can't just have their phones. I mean, anybody that lets their kids have their phone at the dinner table, it's just like, dream on. I mean, the phone would ring. We didn't have cell phones back in the day, but the phone would ring, and it was just like, we're in the middle of dinner. Yeah, You know, like, sorry, can I call you back? But now it's just like, it can be interrupted 50 different times. Yeah. So, Like notifications during a podcast. True. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Common meals, I think, is is really easy to do if if you just do it when you're first. Like, so if you're engaged right now, if you're newly married, if your kids are young, 
start from the beginning. If you if you haven't done well with that as a family, it's really hard to change. But one of the suggestions might be do that. Have the kids get rid of their phones and then, you know, maybe either for one meal a day or one meal a week, just have somebody read something. You know, I mean, even if it's like they read something for the first 10 minutes, then you discuss it. But something like that to, to make sure that there's engagement and stimulation through the awkward first few months of um, enforcing something you have not enforced before. Yeah. You know, but, but I mean, again, if, if you're young, if you're engaged, if you're single, whatever, like start from the beginning, you know, making sure that meals are in common without any TV on or anything like that. Reading, I think, is different. Having TV on or something like that is... Is I mean again I, I had the experience of no TV during meals so I, I'm sure people have have kind of done okay with that or done well with that but it's it's such an easy thing to do from the very beginning and it's such an, I, I imagine a very hard thing to change if you've already done it that way so God bless you if you're if you're trying to change some bad habits and even eating alone eating alone it, it, if some people have trained themselves in that it's very difficult to act, to actually open up to another person yeah, because yeah, it's like right. I can't eat at my own rate which yeah. is like. I can polish off a dinner in less than five minutes, yeah. and once I sit down. But that's not. I'm as I said before. Like I'm satisfying the body, but not the heart. Right. And so my belly is full, but like my heart is empty because like I just satisfied an animal need. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, I, I think, and especially for people, people as families, I think this is you know, if your kids are young, you are going to eat dinner together. Right. But if you're not, like, if you're say college age or you're, um, you know, like post grad, post grad, and you're, you know, you're, you have to find opportunities to actually share in these meals with other persons, and that's hard because it's my time. I may have to leave. I may have to forfeit what I'm planning on doing or what my, you know, pre-meal ritual is. I normally like do these five things before then. And instead I'm going to have to, you know, prepare something, take it over. But again, like you're acknowledging that persons are more important than projects. Yeah. And, um, and again, I think as a, in a family, it's a lot easier to have meals together for people who aren't. I think you just say, I need at three days a week, I need to say I need to be in communion. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, one thing I've discovered: this might sound odd, and I don't think this is exactly what it is. But if you, if you really don't have any friends or community that you can eat with, it really is incredible how often I now again I'm sanguine, but how often I can go out to a restaurant mm-hmm. and just sit at the bar and get food, and almost everybody there does want to engage. Right, like, and I mean, it's again. This, they're not community. You might only meet them the one time, but there's something about that human interaction. I mean, I was I was saying the other day, I went to Tellers right near here, and I show up on my collar, and I sit down, and for the first 15 minutes, I'm enduring light mockery from everybody at the bar because that's you're in a collar, and then after that, absolutely, usually one or two people at the bar go really deep really quick mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's a priest sitting here and I'm going to share everything and they're getting vulnerable and yeah. they're buying me drinks and the bartender's opening up it's like you have to endure a little bit of like this really weird there's a priest at the bar and then after that it's it's I mean you you almost always the Holy Spirit works through me to affect sure. a life you know again not, not everybody has a and that can, can, that can that, be the but. same thing with somebody who's actually willing to listen to other persons yeah you know yeah. and I mean I just go back to when I was in college when I was in college and I would eat at the dorm like those are some of my favorite memories is having meals with some of those people that I'll never be able to share um, at a long table with that with that, that many people who were just so diverse, yeah. you know. And my friend Mandy, um, who's such a beautiful girl, she just recently got married. Um, Mandy Peary, I don't know her uh, married name, uh, but I would make her eat because she was like uh, an engineer. She was, I think, oh. aerospace or something. <laughs> and so she was just work, 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 yep. work. And then if she was going to eat, it was like, I got to do this quick. And I was like, no, this needs to be an event of communion. And I want to hear how you're doing. And so I'd always tell her these really cheesy jokes. And she would be like, you're lame. <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, I know. And so, you might not think this is a very big deal, but one of the one of the greatest images of heaven is the heavenly banquet. That's right. Like, it, Amen. The, heaven is eating together, you know, and, and if we're not attracted to that and we don't live our lives so that we say, yeah, that, that's going to be a beautiful thing, you know, we're, we're not going to be attracted to one of the main aspects of what heaven is. It's, it's, it's celebrating, and that was yeah. done in community with food. Yeah, it's not take out Chipotle and Netflix. Right. Sorry. Yeah. And Chipotle's fine. Netflix could, you know, get rid of that. If, if you're not a good cook, have food come in, you know, if you need to, but I think just still do it together. Yeah. yeah. 
So then the last one, this is where Netflix comes in. Uh, Common Recreation. The companion is marked by joy, which becomes most evident in the company of the brothers. A deep mutual love arising from the friendship formed through common life and shared apostolic work provides the foundation for joyful common recreation. While recognizing the differences in the ways in which each member recreates, he not only desires to be with his brother companions, but also creatively seeks opportunities to rest together on Sabbath days and vacation. Like Jonathan, who delights in his friendship with David, a a companion is a man of brotherly affection with love. So recreation, I mean, this is a much larger conversation, but the, but it, it hinges upon, do we work to rest or do we rest to work? Yeah. And um, if we're just working, it just, if we're just working to rest, then six days become a drudgery yeah. and then the last day becomes, oh, thank God I can, or the weekend just becomes, okay, good, I finally, I'm working for the weekend. Yeah. Whereas for us, we see it as like resting together recreates me in order to be able to labor well throughout the week with my brothers that I actually see as a joy, yeah. you know, I'm in, in the vineyard with other persons. And, and granted, like, I mean, don't get the idea that just going to parish life, like I'm just singing hi-ho, hi-ho, right. you know, whenever I go, um, that I'm just so joyful. No, there are some days of difficulty. And I look at my calendar. I actually had to change the color scheme on my Google calendar because I had red as parish activities. Yeah. And eventually I would look at my calendar and I would just get infuriated because it was just all red. Yeah. Um, so I changed it to like a soft green and feel a lot better. Um, but when we rest, we actually want to find opportunities where we can rest in a way that leads me into a deeper communion. Instead of you rest in this way, I rest in this way, you go do your thing and I'll go do mine. Yeah. Like sometimes I've got to give and sometimes I've got to say, no, I, I want to do this and we're going to do it together. But as families, families have to find ways in which they can rest in common. I mean, I know some families, they're, they're big into camping, and that's what they do. Like, when they, the family knows, like, this is how we're going to go to rest. And they actually collaborate on these activities. For us, as a family, it was fishing. And yeah, we would do our work throughout the week, but I tell you what, man, fishing allows me to be able to enjoy the presence of my dad and my brother and my mom. My mom outfishes every single one of us wow. whenever we go out. It's hilarious. Um, but uh, But those are just moments in which... We acknowledge the presence of another and rejoice in them, not just in the activity that we're doing. Right. So yeah. do you guys have a common thing that you did as a family? We definitely did vacation every year. Uh, we'd go up to Durango, Colorado. We'd get a, a cabin by Vallecito Lake. Um, we would, you know, just bum around, um, and then we'd walk around together. I mean, it was definitely common recreation, but, um, I mean, when I got older, even video games with my brothers was, was cool. I mean, we played Mar- yeah. Mario Kart 64. We'd, we'd sit there and, and play. We definitely did board games um, as a family, things like that. I, it doesn't seem that intentional by my parents, but it probably was more intentional than I think. And my mom would also just send us off together. It was, it was, we, we never had friends apart from each other's friends. So, like, my best friend also knew my brother Sean really well. Right. And we'd go off together. So... But, you know, the other thing I thought of, too, is that there's something about, as, as companions, we recreate together, but we also consider our, our ministry, our work being done together. I mean, we, we, I wish we did this more, but, you know, shared ideas about what's going on in the parish and what's working, what's not working, you know, help each other out when we can. But mm-hmm. I, I think that, that the common recreation can actually lead to common work together. And my, my buddy, uh, shout out to uh, Connor Gallagher, wrote a book called um, If Aristotle's Kid Had an Eye pod i think it was written a while ago hmm. if Ar- if aristotle's kid had an ipod so he he got his um master's in philosophy at least his bachelor's in philosophy went on to become a lawyer but then he works as a publisher right now but he wrote this book and it was uh, it's really about how a dad in his case he has what 11 kids this is like the second shout out i've given him without being in contact sorry connor i need to text you call you um, but like he goes off to work in this book and he he engages with his children throughout the day, working as like a, a nine to five. And he mm-hmm. gives every single one of his 11, 12 kids a job that they have to check in with him during the day, either call or something like that and say what he did. And it really does make him feel like he's still engaging with the family and makes the kids feel like they're engaging with him throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And that just made me think, if we're recreating together, that it also makes us feel like we're kind of working together. Our ministry isn't just like, oh, I'm off to my job, we'll come home, we'll hang out. Nope, it's... There's a certain, that sounds so hippie, but like there's this common 
presence of, of the brothers or of the family, if you're doing a family, even with the work, whatever that might be. Well, and I've seen it too, where families know, like, this is what we're going to be doing as a family. Like, we're going to Durango, yeah. or we're going to Disney World or whatever, but it allows for the work to be done together right. more easily because, like, look, we are going to rest together, yeah. and we're going to rejoice together. Yeah. And um, I, I just think for, for families, this might be a little easier. And again, like, a vacation doesn't have to be like, we're going to spend $5,000, $10,000 going to Disney World. Yeah. It can be as simple as we're going on a hike together as a family. Yeah. And, but you've got to create these moments where you facilitate the rest. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, somebody's going to have to make sandwiches and somebody's going to have to, you know, make sure that the tires are aired up and the whatever. Yeah. But it's like we're working so that like we can rejoice together yeah. and then that's going to enable us to go back to our jobs, our schools, our chores and just say I feel I feel better about where I am. We, we as we as Americans have gotten away from this, but what that makes me think of is is fasting and feasting. Like if we do if we do a forty day or a four week preparation for Christmas, like we're fasting together, and then all of a sudden on Christmas we celebrate. Mm-hmm. Like that labor was for the sake of the celebration and the charity of our Lord, right. and so we celebrate together. Lent, we go through 40 days together, and then we celebrate together on Pascha. Like the labor part of it, the ascetical part of it, all of a sudden becomes very worth it. When all of a sudden you can have the things you gave up, yeah, and you can you can say you know it was a rough week, Friday night, Saturday, whatever as a family we celebrate that week so that on Wednesday when I'm in the middle of the week, hump day, I'm going, it's going to be awesome because we celebrate a good week, worked hard on the end, mm-hmm. and we celebrate together. Yeah, and I mean it, it. This doesn't mean it has to all be activity. Like, you know, we we had a thing at the last, you know, house that I stayed at, myself, Father Lajoie, and Father Matt Book. Well, Father Matt didn't watch it with us, but uh, me and Father Joseph would watch Stranger Things. And Father John and um, Father Mike and Father Daniel watched Stranger Things together, but they had to be disciplined and they had to watch it yeah. in sequence together. Right. And, and that's part of the joy of, all right, we're going to experience this, but, like, we can't just do it on our own. Right. We have to allow for the other, like, to be present. Um, I mean, it's kind of similar to what St. Paul says, where it's like some of you are going off at the communal meal, and you're eating your own food, and you're getting drunk, and, you know, it's like this should actually be for the sake of common life. So, I mean, even if you are, even if you're single, or you are um, maybe widowed or something, like, you know, find something that you can share in with other people, and then, you know, create a life in which it's ordered towards allowing for other people to share in your life as well. Yeah. So, so that's it. Common, uh, what was it? Common prayer, common prayer, common meals, common study, and common recreation. Nice. And, and it's all under the uh, Holy Family, because these were probably things that they would have done as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nazareth is marked with that sort of rhythm. So we ask the Holy Family to intercede for all of our podcast listeners. And Amen. I've gotten kind of away from this, but I do want to encourage, I used to be much more engaged on social media than I am, but if you heard this podcast and have ideas or things that works in your family, I want to share that with others, um, like post it or send us an email mm-hmm. and we'll, uh, we can post those. I'll, I promise after this podcast comes out, I'll be a little more engaged to making sure that the word gets spread, but you know, just make sure you share with each other because people might have really good ideas that other families could really use for those four areas yeah. um, that say, hey, this worked in my family, this didn't and uh, kind of empower each other through this community. So, amen. All right. Well, folks, uh, we are uh, to the end. Uh, We will see you guys in person. We have some shout-outs to give, I think. You got any? Um, Not written down, but I want to give a shout-out to Emily Brand, who uh, was supposed to be part of the flyover team for the game yesterday, and then the jet broke. (laughs) That was her text. When the jet did not fly over during the national anthem, I texted her to mock her for getting something wrong, and and then she just, I said, I'm at the game, but she didn't know I was going to be there. I said, I'm at the game, where's the flyover? And she just wrote, jet broke. (laughs) I was like, oh, great. (laughs) So the jet broke, so she actually got a really nice... Um, room with all the Broncos alumni on 300 level. I forget what it's called. But anyway, so you got free food, free drinks, much better than um, whatever the 500 club stuff that we were doing. In. Yeah. <laughs> and much, yeah, much better than our seats too. But shout out to you. I know she listens. Oh, that means you got to do something too. What? You got it's your states. 
Oh yeah, she she chastised me because I didn't give a <laughs> shout out to Oregon. That's where she's from. Yeah. So uh, I think we're on the on the West Coast. I I'm literally just gonna give a shout out to all of them. But first and foremost, Oregon, nice. California, Washington. Nice. Um, so uh, I've been to uh, Newport Beach and Seal Rock in uh, Oregon. Ate at the uh, IKEA in Portland. <laughs> that was the one and only IKEA I think I will ever go into because wow. um, I'm pretty sure that they lead you through that maze so that they could kill you. Um, but Oregon's a beautiful state. Never been to Washington. Uh, we know Mel Strazisich from, yep. um, from uh, Seattle. Um, and then uh, Cali. I think uh, all the folks in Cali, Father Stephen Akers and Anthony Lillis and uh, St. Patrick's Seminary and uh, Father Thomas Kohler from the Redlands Carmelite community there. I've had some great memories. That's where the Starsuit was born, man. Friggin' Donald James. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I have been to Washington State. Absolutely beautiful state. Our Byzantine Paris in Seattle is amazing. I've never, actually never been to Oregon, though. That's All right. I don't know what states I've state. forgotten, but I do want to finally give one to Illinois because Illinois is the best of the 50 nifty United States from 13 original colonies. Shout it, shout it, tell all about it, one by one, till we've given a name to every state in the good old USA. Remember that song? I do not. Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, uh, Florida, Georgia, Hawaii, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Nevada, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, North Carolina, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Dakota, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, Virginia, Washington, West Virginia, Wisconsin, Wyoming. Da, 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 da. That's not Animaniacs. That predates Animaniacs. I'm guessing. Oh, it was like a it was like a show that we did in fourth grade. Oh, really? So yeah. you wrote that? I did not write that. Okay. I'd be a millionaire if I wrote that. <laughs> so uh, to all the states, to everyone that's coming, to anybody that I've missed, um, I'm so sorry. Please write in. Uh, to all the people who hate me from Iowa, we will see you in person in T minus like three hours. So um, I think that's it. Oh yeah, finally to Laws Whiskey House. Mm. Have you been to Laws? I have not, but I, I've, I've, oh, I've, I've imbibed. We've drank a fair share. Um, Al Law gave us a bottle of uh, whiskey. Well, technically, Tim Heaton bought it from Al Law, uh, who's the owner of Laws Whiskey House in Denver. Uh, he used to be at Stranahan's, and then I think he had started his own, and uh, his wife listens to the podcast, I think. Nice. And um, so he said on the side of the bottle, will you give us a shout-out? That's right. So if he didn't listen all the way to the end, you'll just have to let him know. So we had some straight rye. It was awesome. So to all the seekers, to all of our podcast listeners, a happy new year.